You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. We have a great podcast today as we talk with Ankeny Chief of Police Darius Potts. He's been with the Ankeny Police Department since um, August 2018. Before that, he was the Bureau Commander at the Arizona Department of Public Safety. Chief Potts also served for 23 years with the city of Phoenix, Arizona Police Department. He currently resides in Ankeny and his wife works for Ankeny Schools. Chief Potts believes the members of the police department are ambassadors of the city since they have so much contact with the community. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, sir. Representing safety and security for Ankeny Schools is Specialist John Davis. John's had a long career in law enforcement as well. Most recently, he served with the Des Moines Police Department and worked as the Deputy Director of Polk County Emergency Management. He's currently serving as the safety and security specialist for the Ankeny School District and is uh, an amateur wildlife photographer. I did not know that, John. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. And so, John, I'm going to start off with you. you know, um, parents want to know how our school district is planning to keep their children safe um, while in our buildings. And so just especially in light of some of the issues that um, our nation has had um, with our schools and uh, school violence, can you talk about the, the features we have in place at each of our schools to help protect our students and staff? That's a pretty long list. Um, <laughs> There's no shortage of rules and regulations and laws that we have to follow related to uh, safety and security. Um, that ranges from inspections to having uh, emergency response plans. And besides the, the requirements there, we do, I think, above and beyond that because it is the right thing to do. So it's, it's not just um, the requirements. It's not just checking the box. So some of those things include, you know, we have a, a – an emergency response plan mm -hmm. uh, that we developed uh, with the assistance of the Ankeny Police Department, the Fire Department, uh, Polk County Emergency Management, and others uh, following nationwide best practices for emergency response. Uh, we provide training to our students and staff on that emergency response plan. And then we sort of validate or um, test that plan, if you will, through our emergency drills. So that could be a fire drill, could be a severe weather drill, um, lockdown drill, bus evacuation drills, those sorts of things. Sometimes our community gets uh, um, frustrated when we don't uh, share specific details about how our district responds to emergencies. Could you tell our listeners why we don't give specifics with regards to how we deal with all emergencies that we may experience at, um, within our school district? Yeah, so it's always kind of a balancing act of how much information we give to reassure parents and give enough information to the students they know what to do uh, when there's an emergency. But on the other side of that, we don't want to provide so much information that a potential adversary could use that information against us. So if, you know, we put out this is where everybody goes in this sort of a scenario, somebody could potentially exploit that and... Uh, and use that information against us. Oh, thank you. And so, uh, Chief Potts, same question to you. What's in place for the police department in the event of, emer of an emergency, uh, whether it's a threat or a natural disaster like the derecho? You know, the, for national uh, disasters or natural disasters, we, uh, we just had one recently where we were preparing for it. We have a uh, command post incident, command center, at the police at the fire department so before that even happened uh while a storm was brewing mm -hmm. uh we would get together directors from each uh city department uh fire department police department and we start preparing for uh that disaster i know from the, the police department's perspective 
we're always out there. So we are the eyes and ears of what's going on at the time of the storm. Of course, we try to um, seek shelter when we can, but we're out there uh, trying to get eyes and ears on things that are happening down power lines. uh, We relay all that information. If there's... uh, um, you know, if there's uh, building damage, traffic lights out, uh, all kinds of things that we uh, look for and relay that back to the command post. Uh, and if there's any kind of rescue that we need to do immediately that's safe for us to do, we would do that. So we 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 do prepare for natural disasters and we do prepare for things that happen at the school. We train constantly, right. um, train uh, just in case. Uh, I, we are in a just-in-case job. Yeah. Uh, j- if something happens, we try to prepare for that. So. Yeah. And so, you know, can you tell our listeners in, in an emergency situation, natural, well, let's say a natural disaster, what's the mission? Um, does it change from a natural disaster to emergency threat uh, for our, for our police department? I think the overall mission for us all the time is to protect lives. Okay. It, it is that for a natural disaster or a potential threat. Thank you. And so um, for our police department, what does training look like uh, for our police force? You know, if you talk to the average officer in uh, in Ankeny, uh, they would say they train too much. And I'm sure that <laughs> happens every place that any department uh, in the metro and the, around the country. Uh, we have annual training three times a year that goes over uh, firearms, defensive tactics, uh, CIT training, um, uh, mental health training. Uh, I, I can name, go through a whole bunch of things that we go over. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, in the last couple of years, we do online training for case law uh, that uh, calls or, or incidents or cases that have gone to court, that have been settled in court, uh, that have been decided in court. We want our officers to have that background in case they encounter some of that. So um, it's important for us to, to stay up on case law. Uh, um, is there any um, coordinated training at the state level for your police department and federal level that, that your officers may go through? You know, there is always uh, federal training and state training offered. Uh, officers can do training on their own, which is paid for by the city, or paid for by the department. Uh, the one mandated training that we have is impl- implicit bias training, okay. uh, which is, uh, you know, a lot of agencies were doing that before that, but it's it's required now. So uh, that's the kind of training that that is kind of required. And, and of course, certification from uh, the academy. Yeah. And I think that the the, the first time you and I met, uh, you had shared uh, there's some opportunities for our community to experience some training at the police department. What does that look like and what could they um, expect if they chose to engage in that training? I think we have a great program and I'm biased because I'm I'm at Ankeny, but we have a great program called the Citizens Police Academy. And it gives you, it's about an eight week course, uh, once, uh, twice a week, I believe. And it gives you that that look into the, the police department. Uh, every aspect from administration, from crime scenes to uh, shooting, um, uh, firearms, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gives you that overall view of what officers grow through. Uh, we do have scenario-based training where we uh, put the citizen in a police car wow. and have them do traffic stops. 
my wife was uh, is a graduate of the Citizens Police Academy. She never fired a gun ever in her life, <laughs> yeah. uh, and she had that opportunity to do that and, and see what that feels like. So uh, it's a great experience for for citizens to to participate in. It is limited. Yeah. Uh, we do it once a year. It is manpower intensive, okay. uh, and um, we try to get as many people as we can. Probably about twenty twenty two people. Okay. And so let's let's do a little plug for Ankeny PD. And so if we have citizens out there that uh, have an interest in potentially becoming a police officer, you know, what should they do to get more information? And you know, what does the training look like for for potential? Um, do, we, do we call them cadets? Uh, applicants of cadets. Applicants. Yep. We uh, we have uh, we're actually hiring now, uh, and we've had difficulty just like other metro agencies hiring police officers. I can the the one thing that I would give uh, a person advice on is you know especially if they're in college, you don't have to go to college for criminal justice. Uh, we take everybody. Uh, we take teachers, we take uh, potential engineers or whatever. Uh, physical fitness is a, is a big thing when you first enter. Uh, the process, uh, push-ups, sit-ups, running. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we do have a basic skills test uh, that, that tests your English comprehension, math comprehension. Um, so I, I, if I would, you know, we lose a lot of people on that test. Okay. Uh, I would brush up on your sixth grade math or sixth grade, you know, fifth grade uh, English or whatever, you know, you think you, you might def be deficient in. Um, one other thing is, uh, we do is we, uh, um, and I lost the train of thought. Um, we had, um, the, uh, the lie detector tests or the polygraph uh, test yep. is where we get a lot of people that are not honest. Right. Uh, and, uh, marijuana gets a lot of people. Too. Okay. <laughs> and so speaking of honesty with all of your experience, um, in law enforcement, what are the personal characteristics that are most beneficial for those that want to become a police officer. I think in your opinion, honesty is is a good one. You know, the willing to serve, I think, is important uh, to put your life on the line for other people. You have to have that in you. Right. Uh, you have to have that basic tolerance for people. Um, you know, you, you will go through stages and being a police officer. Uh, where you love everybody, and then you know a couple of years later you don't love everybody. You love only a few people. Then you start to hate the people you work with, and then you kind of mature. Yeah, and you come to a point where you you know you kind of balance out. And you know uh, what the job is totally about. So I think you have to have that balance. You have to have some kind of experience with with uh, dealing with difficult situations. Yeah. People yelling, screaming at you. If you haven't been in those situations, it's hard sometimes to adjust. Okay, okay, John. Uh, all last year, you and I talked about, and what I heard from the community was uh, the relationships that the district forms with our um, city partners, community partners. It's just really important. So, can you talk about what does a cooperative relationship look like and feel like? Uh, uh, between our district and Ankeny PD? Yeah, I think we enjoy, <clears throat> excuse me, a really positive relationship with the public safety agencies in Ankeny, both police and fire. Um, both have staff that are just outstanding to work with, answer any questions at any time. Uh, I don't know too many departments that I can pick up the phone and call the police chief directly and have him answer the phone. Mm -hmm. um, 
we've gotten together and gone to lunch and, you know, had the difficult conversations to work through and come to solutions and those sorts of things. So I think that's really beneficial, you know, just that open communication, uh, trusting communication there, and, and that spirit of cooperation uh, between all of the agencies has been really powerful. And then with that spirit of co- cooperation, how does that translate into us working together when we have situations at our schools with regards to you and your team working with Chief Potts and his team when they're actually um, um, on our campuses? Yeah, so I think that builds some trust, right? I, I think it's always a bad thing if I'm meeting that police officer or firefighter for the first time during the emergency. So just having that familiarization, um, that familiarity with each other when you pull up, they know who I am and what I do, and I know who they are and what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, through that, we, we offer, I think, plenty of opportunities to work together. We, we've offered up all of our buildings for the police department to come train in. Um, we've offered up our buildings literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if the fire department wants to come and do a walkthrough, uh, just to become familiar with our buildings, the layout, um, you know, where emergency shutoffs are for the utilities, camera access, any of those things, um, you know, we, we're happy to have them in our buildings anytime. Thing. And Chief Potts, this cooperative relationship that we're uh, continuing to to cultivate and build, you know, what does that look like from your perspective uh, leading our police department? Yeah, I, I'm not saying this because John is sitting right next to me, <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, we did not have this uh, relationship before John got there. Mm. Uh, it, it was something we always wanted to have. Uh, we just didn't have the the right uh, personnel in, in in place to have that relationship. Um, when John got there, he he understood how to be a cop. Uh, he understood the civilian side that he's uh, the the role that he has now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also um, had some insight on what was going, what needed to be improved on. Uh, and I think having that insight really helped our relationship and john is right he invited me to lunch and we've had those conversations and uh it makes you feel like you want to commit to making things a lot better and that's why i think we have that open communication where if john needs something if the school district needs something he can call us and and we we want that relationship yeah and so john you know speak to some of the systems that we put in place that allow our police department to respond even more effectively in an emergency situation so besides the walkthroughs you know and those sorts of things that we talked about um we've provided um keys both physical keys and then the access control you know the key fob or or card reader access um, to their officers and their command staff Um, we've gone around all of our buildings Uh, all the exterior doors are labeled Mm -hmm. um, so that if someone has to call 911 they can give that dispatcher you know the uh, the closest door for rapid access for the um, police fire and ems so I think that's a huge thing. Um, we're working on little things like inside the building wayfinding. So signage that tells you, you know, down this hall is the second grade classroom, down this hall is the media center, the front mm-hmm. office, nurse's office, whatever. So if it is the first time that that new officer's in the building, um, they've not had a chance to walk through it before, they can find their way to where they need to go um, quickly in a critical incident. Um, we've 
again, little little things, uh, putting the classroom number on the inside of the classroom door. Mm-hmm. So if someone calls 911 and says, well, I'm in Miss Smith's uh, science class, who's Miss Smith, right. right? Police, fire, and EMS probably don't know her, don't know where that room's at, but uh, the room number's on the back of the door. So somebody can you know, say, hey, I'm in a room 1102, uh, and I need police, fire, EMS, whatever the case is to respond. They can find that room again uh, as quickly as possible. And then we've gotten, we, we, we received a lot of questions last year from our parents around drills that are conducted in our schools. And so, you know, what are the drills that we conduct um, in our schools, how often do we do those, and how do we know that every school is conducting those drills when they're supposed to? Yeah, so we'll start, I guess, with just the requirements that are required by state law, right? So the minimums there. Um, we're required to have a fire drill uh, every single month. The first fire drill has to happen within the first 10 days of school, and the fire department has to be there and observe that drill mm-hmm. um, and provide input, you know, corrective feedback, uh, if, if you will, uh, if they identify any problems. So that's, uh, again, that's monthly. And then uh, twice a semester, so four times a year, we have a severe weather drill or tornado drill where the uh, students go to their shelter locations if there's severe weather. Um, and then once a semester, Again, at a minimum, we have lockdown drills where we practice either, uh, you know, fortifying a classroom door, locking mm-hmm. down, turning out the lights, you know, the things you see and hear about on TV and, and on the Internet. Uh, we, we do those drills or um, sort of a new thing that I'm pushing is a decision-making drill. Sometimes it's best to stay in the classroom and lock down and, and fortify that classroom door. Sometimes it's best to just evacuate, to get out of the right. building. Uh, I jokingly say, where's the best place to be if someone were to show up with a gun? Well, the answer to that is not there, right? right? And so to remove yourself as, as far away as possible from that emergency situation. Uh, we do bus evacuation drills once a semester so the kids know how to uh, evacuate out of the school bus. Um, so that's sort of a um, high level of, of the drills that we do. And then is the police department involved in any of the drills that um, we, we do at the school level, uh, Chief Potts? I think we're getting to that point where we will have that kind of uh, – uh, partnership. I know for, for Ankeny PD, we are doing raid training, uh, which is rapid response training, mm-hmm. and we're doing it at a, a school in the metro right now during this month, and every sworn officer is going through that training. Uh, we need to reassure ourselves that we know what we're doing, right. uh, that that we our skill level is, is at uh, where we need to be. Uh, no matter what building it is, no matter what situation it is. Right. And so I think I think we're all parents and we've had, you know, we, we either have children or ha- have had children in the schools. And as a parent, you know, we in an emergency situation, we want to make sure that we're getting as much information about the emergency or potential threat to our children and or to our school as quickly as possible. And so, John, could you talk to our listeners, specifically our parents, are, are around what they um, what they should do and what and what they should not do with regards to if they see something on social media, um, on a Facebook post, Twitter, Instagram about a potential threat or emergency that could potentially be occurring in one of our schools. Yeah, so I work pretty closely with the communications department who crafts the messages to send out to parents. I think they do an outstanding job of getting the right information out in a timely manner. Um, Although 
when I say that, I know as a parent, we will never be able to get the message out fast enough for that parent's desire. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we strive to strike a good balance there between accurate information and timely information. Mm -hmm. So we get the right message out to the right people as rapidly as possible. Um, You mentioned the social media aspect of that. Um, You know, a lot of people think that if it's on the internet, it must be true, you know, that old line. Um, I'd just like to reiterate that the true source of any information in our schools comes from the school district, right? So you saw somebody's post that shared a something who knew somebody from another town that heard, you know, that information becomes pretty suspect pretty rapidly. And if it's not coming from our communications department, it should be looked at with a little bit of suspicion. And so can you tell our listeners, and again, specifically our parents, what our priority is with regards to if we're dealing with a threat or an emergency, what is the priority with regards to who we're communicating with first and what type of information we're attempting to get out um, internally and then externally to our parents? So our immediate response, obviously, is the life safety situation there, right? To make sure our students and our staff and visitors in our building are safe. So that'll be the number one thing. Um, Pretty simultaneous to that, communicating with police, fire, and EMS, if that's appropriate, as they respond into our buildings. And then uh, usually when I'm notified of an incident, uh, as I'm still driving to the scene of that school where something's going on, I'm making a phone call to our communications department, at least providing them, here's the initial information I know. Something's going on in the building. You know, the fire alarm's activated. We don't think there was a fire, but I'll let you know more here in a minute as soon as I get there. Um, you know, maybe a suspicious person was seen outside the school. Don't have a lot of information. Police are responding. Again, I'll give you more information as soon as I get it. That way, communications can start drafting those um, notifications to parents and be prepared to send that when we have confirmed information, reliable information to share. Right. And I think that I just want to emphasize confirmed information. And so from the point of contact or um, notification of potential threat, um, the district is in a constant um, series of fact-finding cycle of trying to get information to confirm threat or emergency to a a particular school or to the district, correct? True. And And we've had had a couple of instances where the the event is over mm -hmm. before we even are able to put together a message and send it out. And then, you know, we have this frustration of like, you're not telling us until the whole thing's over. Well, the whole thing took six minutes, right? right, from start to finish. Impossible to craft a message and send it out, whether it's by text or email or phone call or social media or whatever in the, you know, in that short of a compressed time frame. Um, but we'll get it out, you know, just as rapidly as we can. And so, Chief Poss, I, I would imagine just because of you're covering, again, like us, the entire city, communication is really key for your department. And so how does the police department handle uh, concerns about potential uh, police presence uh, at or near a school or potential threats um, within our community? I know, you know, just like John has said, we, there is a balance of communication that, that, that uh, informing the public that you have to be uh, mindful of. You don't want to start a panic, but you don't, you want to get that, that information out of a, of a potential uh, threat that's uh, at a school or outside of school. I know our response to that, our physical response to that is uh, when there is a threat or anything that involves a school that's a potential has potential danger, the officers are uh, trained and instructed to uh, engage that threat 
and stop that threat. Mm-hmm. Um, that is our number one goal, no matter if it's a sergeant, no matter if it's a chief, it doesn't matter. That's, uh, that is our goal to do uh, when we're in that situation. And then I believe that um, Ankeny PD has a Twitter account where you, 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 um, you, you send out information. How is that used? The, we uh, have a PIO, uh, public, public information officer, that is, again, empowered to make those decisions uh, of what to put out. Uh, we do it on Twitter. Uh, we do uh, have a city webpage that we uh, do it on, uh, release information, and our Facebook for the city. Um, it has, uh, it has, you know, it it's, has stopped um, misinformation from going out right. many of times. But like John said, sometimes uh, we know uh, things happen online, and they're talking about it. Uh, before we can get anything out. Yeah. And so, John, our, our parents, uh, well, our, our students have been out of school for the past three months, uh, not under our supervision. And we just, you know, the reality of it is that, you know, sometimes things happen during the summer, whether or not fighting, bullying, either, you know, physically, person to person, or over the internet. And so, you know, what advice would you give our families if they have a child that's experienced bullying or harassment online or in person during the summer as we um, um, begin to uh, work towards the 23rd and welcoming our students into um, our buildings? Well, my first piece of advice is we can't address it if we don't know about it. Okay. So we have uh, the TIPS hotline. Um, that's available either as a you know a toll-free phone number that you can find on our website, or if when you look on the district's website, you look for the uh, the butterfly. And you mm-hmm. click on that, it takes you to a tips report. It's an anonymous reporting tool, and you could report things in there. Um, you know, you saw somebody commit a theft or vandalism. You know, somebody that's talking about self-harm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the victim of bullying. Um, you know, any of those n- number of things. You overheard someone make a threat about a weapon, any of those kinds of things, you submit that. Um, again, it's 100%, uh, can be 100% anonymous there. You provide the information on what building, details about what student, even if that's just a description of a student. If you don't know the name, um, sometimes we get them that says, you know, it's a sixth grader at this school. And we kind of go from there um, to be able to look uh, into those with our um, building administrators, our school resource officers, our security officers that are in some of our buildings, and then be able to address and provide supports for those students. And then from a police standpoint, uh, Chief Potts, again, our kids have been out of the uh, been out of the school system for for three months. Now, what advice would you give parents if they're experiencing bullying, harassment, um, uh, any any of physical harm or threats? I'm a firm believer, believer uh, just like John probably is too, of documentation. Uh, there is no uh, nothing that should stop anyone from calling us and having us document that incident. Uh, what we would do is document that and then reach out to John if it involves a student and, and try to uh, get some kind of plan together where we can uh, uh, talk about it, or if we need to do some actions, uh, some enforcement actions, mm-hmm. we can talk to John about it. I know we do have uh, SROs at our schools. Yep. Uh, we have them at the high schools. I wish we had them uh, in our middle schools. Um, the SRO is a great resource to uh, relay information to. 
the purpose of the SRO is not to uh, arrest students and not to um, enforce laws uh, heavy-handed at, at schools. Our, uh, our relationships with SROs should be uh, a, uh, a friendship building, uh, a, a contact that is non-intimidating that they can uh, that any student, any person can talk to and uh, be confident that, that that information or that situation will be handled. I'd kind of like to give a little shout out to our two SROs because I think they do an amazing <laughs> job. Amazing. Officer yeah. Jess and Officer Corey. Um, I, I hear just absolutely the, the coolest stories of, you know, they're, they're shooting baskets with kids in uniform, which I think is kind of neat and probably a little challenging wearing all that <laughs> stuff. Um, I, I know students feel safe to go up and talk about uh, relationship issues. I mean, they're not even criminal matters or law enforcement matters. Uh, could be they're having a struggle at their employer. It's really kind of neat um, hearing some of the stories that, you know, students feel safe enough to go to that trusted adult who also just happens to be a police officer yep. and share that information. And then I, I tell the story to everybody because it blows my mind. Uh, uh, officer Miller, Corey, last year had a student who was involved in a something he shouldn't have and mm -hmm. as soon as it was over he went and told officer miller well you're gonna find out about it anyway <laughs> i might as well tell you right right so he admits that he's been involved in this activity um to, to officer miller um certainly not something that he needed to do but again he had that trusted relationship there and it's just because we have school resource officers in our building it's not always about punishment. It's not always about criminal activity. It's not always about filing charges, right? Yeah. And so they were able to work through that and provide some supports for that student um, and, and resolve that issue. Nobody got arrested. Nobody had to go to jail. None of those kinds of things. Um, but the student got the help that he needed. And so just as a reference for our listeners, SRO stands for School, School Resource, Resource Officers. Officers. Yes. And then uh, John had mention uh, tips. Um, if uh, For our listeners, if you go to the Ankeny website and go to the search function and put in tips, it'll take you to the, the web page for reporting safety concerns. So that's really important. Again, it, it can be done uh, anonymously. Um, you don't have to um, provide your name, but it's really important that if you see something, if you uh, see something or hear something that is reported immediately. That way, um, both uh, the school district has documentation, and if we need to, we'll involve um, Ankeny PD to assist uh, with responding to uh, whatever has occurred. And so, gentlemen, I want to thank uh, both of you, uh, Chief Potts and John, for joining us today. And thank you for listening. But before you leave, make sure you click the sub subscribe button uh, for our show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. We are Ankeny. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools. <laughs>